Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 89 with Farnoosh Brock. If you did some mega eating over this Thanksgiving weekend, Farnoosh has some perspective about health and well-being and self-care and how it makes a world of difference for you in terms of your good work, good productivity, good thinking. So you're going to learn, one, how being healthier will make you accomplish more in a shorter amount of time. Two, optimal options to integrate into a 15-minute morning routine. And three, approaches to finding, developing, and building confidence. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to items mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F89. Or if you would like those takeaway points faster in an email you can read in under two minutes, you'll find the Gold Nugget email list also over there at awesomeatyourjob.com as well as a 10 days to winning at work quick email course to boost efficiency and cut waste using the best tips and tactics I've discovered and taught in my training and workshops. So take a look at some of the good stuff. Now, here's the story about Farnoosh. Farnoosh Brock is an entrepreneur, author, and business coach. After a successful corporate career at a Fortune 100 company, she started Prolific Living Inc. to fulfill her diverse entrepreneurial passions. She helps business owners and executives achieve a new height of success in their businesses and health to maintain a balanced life. When she's not serving her clients, Farnoosh is traveling extensively and stays devoted to her multi-hour daily yoga practice. Here's Farnoosh. Farnoosh, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hey, Pete, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited to dig into so much of your good stuff associated with prolific living and such, but I wanted to start off by hearing first, what's the story with you being Persian royalty? Oh, did I say that about myself somewhere? I need to go edit that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the course of our research, we've surfaced this. You know, we could totally edit this out, (laughs) but I'm intrigued. It's fine. It's (laughs) fine. I think I remember. So my mom's side, my maternal side, they have this theory that we come from Persian royalty and we are connected and, you know. I think somebody in our family has done research. And so my cousins and I laugh about it because we didn't really inherit anything with all that royalty. But I thought I'd put it in because that's my mom's thing. So it was like a little bit of a joke. I hope she doesn't listen to this. (laughs) Sorry, mom. But (laughs) but no, I am an average Persian person. Okay. Well, now we know. So set the record straight. And then I think we all have our little legends associated with family or how things came to be the way they are. I've got a colic, or is it pronounced cowlick? I don't know. On my head, the hair. And it kind of does a little bit of the Superman curl thing. And so I'm not sure if that's because as a child, I really wanted to be Superman and I kept trying to make it curl that way or if it's just something that happened at birth. But I like to think there's a connection there. You know what? There just maybe. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that lovely. Okay. Well, so now the record's straight on Superman and royalty and how that all works. So that's right. 
Could you maybe frame us up a little bit? You talk a lot about prolific living, and I think that's just a great phrase. You know, what does that mean for you in terms of your area of focus and expertise and how that applies to being awesome at your job? Yeah, no, thank you for asking. I think prolific living is more than just being awesome at your job, at your career, at your business, your profession. I think it's about the lifestyle. And I like to think that I embody that, that I live that, and I inspire others to do the same. And to give you an example, you know, my husband and I are in business together now, and we both come from long corporate careers, you know, sort of those rebel employees. We were supposed to be stable, but we just decided to take a different direction. And we wanted a different lifestyle. You know, it wasn't money. We made a lot of money in our careers, and we were very comfortable. But for instance, today I'm speaking to you from Toronto, Canada. We are here for six weeks. We love this town so much. We are here living here, but that's not vacation for six weeks. I am working. I've had a couple of calls today, a business meeting in downtown. And so I wanted the kind of lifestyle where I feel I am doing something valuable and making a difference, but also living a fun life and on my terms and my schedule and health and fitness and taking care of myself physically, emotionally, mentally, on all levels is really important to me. And I transfer that to my clients, to my customers. So it's holistic living and it's doing it on your terms and believing that you are capable of creating that for yourself, no matter where you are or what your circumstances are. Oh, that's fun. It sounds very appealing and prolific sounds like a great way to be. And I really like what you say in terms of the integration of these things. They really are interconnected and related. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I actually decline a fair number of guest pitches about health, but I like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Thank you. And, 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 and how you do, you draw some of those connections between how sure. there really is a clear intersection there. And in episode 57 ish, Jenny Blake said, your body is your business. And I totally think that makes a ton of sense. Could you maybe link up for us the relationship you see in your work with clients associated with health and Mm -hmm. job performance, whether it's kind of creativity or flow or efficiency or just kind of good, smart energy. Mm -hmm. How do those two link together? Yeah. You know, I'll start with using myself as an example because I have done it really well and I've done it really poorly. And what tends to happen, Pete, is that when we get busy, especially for the driven, ambitious among us, and I think that's, you know, some of your audience, if not most of it, when you get busy pursuing your career or professional goals, the first thing that drops is the focus on health. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I'll go to the gym later. I'll sleep later. I'll eat better later because now I have to do this. And you don't realize that over time, you're really sacrificing one of your greatest assets because your mental agility, your creativity, your decision-making, smart decision-making, all of that comes from being in a really good, healthy place. And as you grow older, you realize this, but it's better if you do it sooner in life. And so for myself, I remember giving this up. And that was really my turning point around 2006 or seven, where I realized all those trips cross country from North Carolina to San Jose twice a month and business meetings all day and working 12 hours. Yeah, it might have marginally advanced my career in a direction I didn't even realize I wanted to go, but it's really sacrificed my health mainly my emotional and mental health. And, you know, I just regret that. 
I look back and I think this is all together. You need to take care of yourself. And now in my business, you know, to give you the higher part of that example, in my business, I work very select hours a day, but I'm very productive during those hours. And I exercise and work out and practice yoga between two to three hours a day. Oh, wow. So, you know, and let me tell you, that's not just for fun and, of course, feeling good and all that. But if I don't do that, I actually am not at peak condition to deliver to my clients. I know this because I have skipped those and worked 12 hours and I have been less productive and been less than my ideal perfect condition. You see what I mean? Yes. And I see the same in my clients. I work with executives. I work with very smart, driven businessmen, entrepreneurs, and we look at their overall lifestyle. And it's about working. Most of them are working too much anyway. It's about working smarter and more efficiently. And there are things they need to stop doing. And then there are things they need to add, such as more of a self-care a practice to help them feel more grounded, whether that is spiritual, religious, whatever that may be. But you need a grounding practice every day, a caring for your body. And so we do that and then they realize how much more productive they are, how much happier they feel, how much more refreshed they wake up in the morning. It is absolutely and definitively connected. You may choose to believe it or not, but it doesn't change the fact that the more you take care of yourself, the more yourself gives back to you. Okay. Well, there's so much to dig into there. Thank you for that. Huh. I'm going to have to prioritize my own questions here. Okay. So one of them is you said, believe it or not. And I think you probably see that in your own clients. And I'm thinking about the response of the listener right now. It's like, okay, yeah, that sounds good and fun. And maybe that's theoretically true. But could you maybe prove it in terms of here's a transformational client example, or here's a study for the American Medical Association or something that kind of (laughs) connects A to B in an unmistakable, undeniable kind of a way. Right. Well, I haven't done studies and research and data, but every example I have seen where people are not doing it that way, they are miserable and failing. And by not doing it that way, I mean, you know, when I speak to them and if they are unhappy in their careers or their jobs or their businesses, when we dig in further, we realize that there is also gaps in their self-care. Now, self-care, it's not just your body. Okay. It's everything. So remember, I mentioned it's emotional, it's physical, it's your relationships, but it's areas where it's outside of the business and career. And those areas of your life, you need to be taken care of in order to then be your best self in the professional sense. For me, it's case by case, myself and everyone I've worked with, Whenever we have added these components of self-care, their productivity and happiness has exponentially increased, not marginally, but exponentially increased to the point where they continue to emphasize that. So I would say that really you have to test it on yourself. And even studies don't give you the answer. Some studies come out and say one thing and may or may not work for you. So I would say to the skeptical reader, Pete, try for yourself. One week, yeah, don't take care of yourself. Stay up till midnight, try to get up at six o'clock, go to meetings, drink a ton of caffeine, eat bad food, whatever it is you do, alcohol, whatever, and overindulge and just see how you feel. And then the following week, do the opposite. Take the most care of yourself and observe 
your productivity, observe how people perceive you, your relationships, the impact of your conversations, your happiness level, and your own results will speak for you. So you don't have to believe me or the studies. Okay. All right. So now just one more point to drive it home all the more. Could you share mm-hmm. us about how maybe you had a client and they had a bad situation and then you did an intervention of sorts and how they saw the translation of feeling good to mm-hmm. ooh producing more fantastic good stuff? Right. Yeah. Okay. Let me think of a good example because I have had also to your point earlier, I have had skeptical clients. You know, I work with some really brilliant, smart people who are like, you know, that's great. Yes. Exercise, eating good, but I really want to know what to do to make that next leap in my career or make that next leap in my business. And I have to get very creative in how I bring about those other interventions, you called it, in a way that they can get on board with it, right? The technical or the logical mind can get on board with it. To be specific, okay, I'll use a business owner in Singapore, Taiske. We've worked together for well over a year now. And he started out, you know, just on the verge of burnout. He was working really, really hard, super smart guy running a tech company out in Singapore. And we worked together and he's very open to feedback and coaching. So that was great. But he also needs proof. So as we would introduce one concept after another, taking care of yourself, uh, integrating the things that you're passionate about again, such as running and sports in his case, and giving up smoking and drinking. So that was very hard for him because he would go out with his clients and drinking was a very accepted social norm. And we found a way for him to drink pops or whatever. And the effect on how he felt the next day and how he led his business the next day, just by removing alcohol, smoking, a little bit less on socializing and more on sleep. In his case, he was not sleeping and he's very young. So, you know, sometimes it's a pride thing. I only get by with five hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. I was right there with that club. Okay, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> and Taiske has come a long way from where he was. And now he's proud of his health habits. And he is by far a much more effective leader at his company and he feels better about himself and he works less hours now because in the hours that he works he's sharper and more productive because he's taking better care of himself so there you go that's fun so you're saying he's producing the same or more in fewer Mm -hmm. hours because each hour is better due to his enhanced energy clarity etc yes Definitely. All right. That sounds lovely. Well, now let's get into it a little bit in terms of if you had to do some prioritization. So you've looked at a lot of clients and a lot of behaviors associated with how they can get an upgrade to their health and their energy and focus and such. So if you had to prioritize in terms of the things that give you the biggest sort of bang for the buck or return on your hour of time or energy, effort, attention invested, what would you say are some of the top practices for unleashing more good health? the productive energy. I'm not big into like quick, <laughs> quick advice, quick tips. Like I would want to say, well, what is it that makes you think you're not productive now? And mm-hmm. let's explore what's going on with you right now. But let me go along with that and think, where would I go first? I would really look at someone's approach first. So as you're listening, think about how you're approaching your two hours of productivity in the morning, right? Are you just like getting up And if you're working from home, you're just kind of rushing in, opening your computer and starting. 
That's one way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to be relatively productive. There's nothing wrong with the way you're doing it. But how can we do it better? Well, observe how you feel as you sit down and you're working. If you are thirsty or if you haven't eaten, if you haven't stretched your body, if you haven't taken care of any of that, right? And as you are going through that couple of hours, look at how you're feeling. Look at what your throughput is, your throughput per hour of productivity. What are the results you're creating, right? And just observe that. And then I would say the next day before you open your laptop, give yourself 15 minutes of self and that can be anything. It could be stretching. It could be meditation. It could be walking. If you're in an area where you could go get some fresh air, it could be some quiet time. It could be reading. But before that, before you start work, try to kind of sort of get a head start or I don't have a good phrase for it. I mean, I have a whole routine I go through before I do work. I do a quick scan of my emails, but I have a whole routine to go through before I'm mentally ready to attack what I call other people's problems, right? Mm -hmm. People who are coming to me and it's not my agenda, right? And I would say experiment. So I know I'm kind of like skirting around Pete's question here. I know. That's probably what he's thinking. Oh, no, uh, I hear what you're saying. It's working for me. Keep going. Okay. But (laughs) I really think experimenting because there is no universal tips because I do so much tailoring and customization in my coaching work. Meditation may not work for a lot of people. In fact, I don't meditate. I do hours and hours of yoga and some breathing exercises, but meditation is still a challenge for me. But I do the grounding practice that I talk to you about where I feel I am grounded before I go and read a customer problem because I know that I will be in a better place to help someone else if I have taken care of myself first. That's the bigger concept. So really, the question is, before you get to work, whatever your work is, have you taken care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Sacrifice, as much as we glorify sacrifice, doesn't really work well when in the long term. Because sacrificing your health, your well-being, your taking whatever you need First, it's against the concept of being in a good place to take care of others. But when you take care of yourself, how you treat yourself and how you're in a good place before you sit down and help others, whatever the case may be, your cup will be full. Let's put it that way. Oh, I got you. You can help others. Whereas if you're drained and you have all these needs, but you're pushing them back, I'm thirsty, I want some caffeine, or I want some rest, but I'm going to do it later because my boss needs this. Yes, there are times when we have to put our needs on hold because we have, we're in a crunch, it's deadline time. But if that's your norm over the long term, what I'm saying is it will not sustain itself. But if you're in a position in your job where you're operating from that place of rush, 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 and you want to go into a leadership position at some point, that's not how leaders act. You need to come from a very confident place, control, and you have the practice of taking care of yourself before taking care of others so that you are setting an example. You're being a role model. Okay, thank you. And I like that. And I've found that to be the case myself with regard to the morning pieces. And I've kind of experimented and fine-tuned and 
dialed in and replaced this thing for that thing mm-hmm. in terms of my morning time. It's probably just about 15 minutes, actually. So mm-hmm. I like what you're saying in terms of everyone's different and you got to do some customization. So maybe instead we'll redirect to say, what would you say is the menu of options, sort of mm-hmm. like, likely high potential mm-hmm. things you might do in your 15 minutes of morning self-care time that pack a punch? So I mean, things like maybe stretching or drinking some water or breathing or prayer. Yeah. What sort of the menu of likely winners. Right, right. Okay, very good. So that's a long list. I mean, some of my favorites and everything I'm telling you is from my experience and also I've assigned it to all my clients. So I have all these cases studies and they've been wonderful to cooperate. So for instance, writing, especially if you are mentally agitated about anything. So if you're going through a stressful period, if you have issues, relationship stuff on your mind, writing is extremely important for you before you start to dig into your day. So journaling, whatever is on your mind, it stops the thoughts before you get to work. So that is sort of like the mental release. And you can do that in a notepad, whatever. And so the writing practice is important. Walking and walking can be a sort of meditation. So if 15 minutes is not quite enough, you know, it doesn't have to be your whole exercise, but either walking or seated meditation for a few minutes or quiet time. Now, quiet time can also be you're alone. There isn't all this chaos in your house and you can make a cup of tea for yourself and just going through those motions, but a little bit of quiet time. If you are going to be on the phone or speaking to people, I would say warming up your voice, having some warm up exercises. I was doing that before our call today. You sound warm. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And you can look up YouTube. I had a voice coach for a long time. So being able to take care of your vocal cords before you get on the phone and to go further there, drinking some hot water with some tea or maybe some lemon and really just taking care of what you need for what's coming up. In your case, lots of conversations. If you're going to be going for a long commute or something, maybe just kind of preparing yourself mentally for going into the crowds, especially if you're an introvert, I would say the quiet time in the morning is extremely important. I would say you need more than 15 minutes to take care of the physical activity aspect. You know, I set aside two to three hours, but that's just because I'm a fanatic about my yoga. I would say you want to set aside maybe 45 minutes or something during the day, maybe in the morning, maybe later to take care of your body and to have a routine that works for you. Whatever that may be, you have so many options there, so many options. I just started something brand new this week called Pure Bar, which is strength building. Fabulous, right? I mean, I didn't even know it. Now I'm going to integrate that into all my work. What other morning routines? I think what you eat or not eat is really important. Like having some kind of a good, healthy approach to eating, usually making your own food. It just makes you feel like you're taking better care of yourself in the morning and planning for the rest of the day. Think what you eat can nourish you and help you be prepared for the rest of the day. So the food aspect can be part of your routine. 
I think if you're going to be in a stressful situations, stressful meetings, either meditation or some breathing exercises, and if you do any type of yoga, then it makes sense for you to look into pranayama, which is the breathing techniques. And you could do five minutes of that, which will really mentally prepare you for, say, going in to give a presentation, or maybe you deal with customers, or you're in a tech support situation. Heavens forbid, I was there. Very stressful job. So depending on what you need for your day, Pete, I think that your morning routine needs to adapt to that. Oh, that's lovely. So there's maybe some standardized, just basically getting the body going and mind operating. And then there's some customized given the unique challenges of the day. So that was a lovely menu. And I did want to talk a bit about breathing as I've become more and more fascinated by a variety of breathing approaches and prescriptions and different styles of breathing produce different kinds of results. So uh, boy, I bet we could talk for hours about this, but could you give us a few minutes in terms of, so you listed out one kind of reading, prana, rana, did I say that right? No. (laughs) Not at all. That's okay. That's okay. It is pranayama. Pranayama is really the study of breath. So that is multiple disciplines of breath under it. Did you want me to speak to that? Was that your question? Well, yeah. So I'd like to hear a bit about that breathing and Mm -hmm. then to the extent that there are other forms of breathing to meet other circumstances and you could comment on those as well. It'd be kind of fun to be conscientious about our breathing approach. So true. I mean, I had no idea breathing was, it's a science. You can get a PhD in just understanding the breathing techniques, and it's very powerful. So I would say for the absolute beginner, and again, it helps to have a little bit of yoga background in order to become more aware of your breathing. So the simplest breathing, which, you know, you may hear it when you're at the doctor or what have you, is take a deep breath, deep inhale, deep exhale. But if you want to take it further, the simplest practice I would give you is sit on the floor, or in a chair, but on the floor, it's just more grounded. The ground is more firm. So you have a better grounding and, you know, sit up tall and simply do 10 breaths and just make sure you count the inhale and match the exhale. So you pick, maybe you could do a five count, five count inhale, which is pretty advanced. Let's do a three count inhale. So you inhale on one, two, three, you exhale on one, two, three. You do this 10 times. Okay? okay. Now, if you want to take it a little bit further, you could do a, a little bit of retention. So that means very little. We do inhale of one, two, three, hold the breath for say two counts, and then one, two, three, exhale. And the holding or stopping, that's what one of my yoga teachers said. So you inhale one, two, three, stop, then you exhale one, two, three. And then you repeat that. And you cannot believe the calm, just that little stopping at the end of the breath will produce. Very simple. Absolute beginners can do this. And as long as you match the inhale and the exhale, and you do it at your own pace. And so simplest, simplest technique that can create really powerful internal calming and also make you a lot more patient and resilient and help you breathe in the stressful situations. That's really what you're training your body to do because we hold our breath when we are anxious or upset or annoyed. 
And if you can breathe in those situations, you will act smarter. I promise you. Personal experience. <laughs> oh, I hear you. Oh, so that's so good. So you're saying we're matching the counts in terms of the inhale and the exhale. And so the holding, you say between the inhale, exhale, or yes. after the exhale, both, neither. No. Okay. Inhale, hold, exhale. Inhale, okay. hold, exhale. Inhale, hold, exhale. Very simple. Okay. And so now I'd love to... Oh, geez, there's so much to go after. But I'm curious. I've been reading a bit from uh, Tony Schwartz, The Powerful Engagement, and some of his work over at the Energy Project. Hopefully we'll have him later. Mm-hmm. And he says that if you breathe in for a count of three mm-hmm. and exhale for a count of six, it mm-hmm. is possible to rapidly clear your bloodstream of cortisol. What's your take on this? There is breathing exercises that can cool you, that can warm you, that can clear your digestion. So I am not surprised, but I am not familiar with that particular one. I would say, you know, you can try it. The one thing I would say with the pranayama and the breathing, and I am not a teacher. I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm not training to be one. I'm just fascinated by all of this. So I practice on my own is that You know, I gave you something very simple to do. The breathing has nervous cleansing abilities. So I would say it's really good if you're going to really get into the breathing to work with a teacher because the breathing is really powerful. Like it can not mess you up, but if you do a lot of it and especially the retention stuff, it's going to have some, I don't know, like open up certain channels, etc. So you just want to make sure, you know, if you're going to really get into it and do it every day and study it, work with a teacher, including you, Pete. I can see you're very excited about this. Well, it's one of my latest (laughs) discoveries. It's like, whoa, something's happening here. And I've never thought about it much before. So it's like a new toy. (laughs) Exactly. We don't use our lung capacity. We don't use a fraction of it. And you're really learning to use fuller and fuller capacity of your whole system. And it's powerful. And that's probably what you're experiencing, right? Oh, yes. And so can you speak to a little bit just like through the nose, through the mouth, the diaphragm, the shoulders? How do we think about some of that stuff? It's all through the nose. So pranayama, unless otherwise stated, your mouth is closed and you're breathing through the nose. So if that's hard for you, I would say then just practice regular breathing, 10 count, you know, like just sit down and just do regular breathing, inhale, exhale, try to match the length. And if you need to open your mouth, that's fine. And some people have difficulty breathing through their nose, including my own husband. But (laughs) over time, yeah, I know, we're working on it. But over time, you really want to close your mouth and breathe through the nose. That's really where you want to make sure it's all through the nasal passages. Mouth breather is even like a derogatory term. (laughs) That is true. That is true. That is not what I meant to at all. I know. I I know. English is a funny language. Yes. Thanks. It seems that's a recent phenomenon, like that mouth breathing. It's like, that's a mean thing to say to people now. Did you watch, this is really derailing, you may want to cut this, but oh, I don't watch TV, but Stranger Things on TV. Everyone's raving about it. Oh, I haven't yet, no, but no. I want to now. Okay, well, they use that term, mouth breather, as an insult. <laughs> I just remembered. So you'll have a good laugh about it when you see it. Oh, fun. Well, shucks, we've been having a lot of fun here. So maybe I should just ask, you've also got some great perspective when it comes to confidence, you know, finding it, building it, growing it, and why that really matters. What are some of your, I guess you don't like quick tips, but the key things you'd like to share when it comes to confidence? Confidence. Yeah, I know that's a big one. I think that 
And this is across the board, Pete. So I work with individual contributors and I work with, like I mentioned to you, executives and senior leaders and confidence is ever present. Because what I think is really important when you look at confidence is that at every stage of your career, your profession, at every level of success in life, to go to the next level, you actually need a whole new level of confidence. So confidence isn't binary. It's not, yes, you have it. No, you don't have it. You are always developing confidence. You know, I had to develop a lot of confidence today. I had a call with a prospect to position a new offer that I have. And then I feel really good about it and we really connected. But because it was a new offer, I had to raise the bar on my own confidence. So when you think about yourself, don't ever use the phrase, I am not confident. All right. Okay. Never say that about yourself. Another way to say it, and you can be honest with yourself, is to do that, say, to go for that interview, to go ask that person out. I am not confident enough yet. All right. Which means you have confidence, but to do that particular task, to meet that challenge, your confidence isn't there yet. So that means you have to raise the bar on your confidence. And depending on what you're going to be doing, think out what you need to be more confident. Do you need to be taller? Do you need to be prettier? And I'm, you know, I'm being honest. Maybe you need to stand taller. Maybe you need to dress smart. Maybe you need to speak more resonantly. Maybe you need to be more skilled in a particular area because all of that can add to your confidence. So to me, confidence is not only in different levels, but also it's the result of things you do. It's not something you do. It's the outcome of the things you do. When you learn more skills, it makes you more confident. When you practice something over and over, you become more confident at performing. So it's the outcome of the process. So you need to focus on the process. What is it that you need to be more confident for? And figure out what activities you need to do in order to make yourself, as a result, more confident. It's interesting to think about that because you made the distinction perfectly. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not confident. Yeah. It's like, I'm not confident enough yet, so what do I need to do? And sometimes that might be, I'm going to get some custom-fitting clothing so I look fantastic. Yes. <laughs> or yes. it's like, I've realized I don't know the answers to five follow-up questions they might ask me. So by golly, yes. I'm going to go figure that out first. And Thank then you. now I feel yeah. bulletproof, like bring it on. Yeah. Whatever you want to know, I can tell you. Yeah, I mean, preparation for what you need Basically, preparation for the task at hand, for your particular goal or challenge, because usually it's a circumstance that's making us question our confidence. So what is the circumstance? What is the outcome you want to create for yourself? What is missing? What could be helpful to you there? And, you know, it helps to talk to someone. Maybe you can get someone to help you. Maybe you can work with a coach or a mentor or a smart friend and then Figure out what are those gaps you need to fill. And as a result, you will become confident. I think one thing that I see a lot when I work with people and they haven't been confident in years is because they are stuck. And so they don't take action. And that inaction, that place of inaction, that's where low confidence lives. Hmm. So just by taking action, I can see them feeling more confident. 
because it gives them a sense of accomplishment, a sense of progress, and it builds and builds until they get to a tipping point where they feel confident enough to do something and, you know, they go for it. But if you find yourself in like really low self-esteem, low confidence, look at how much action you've taken. And I'm willing to make a safe bet. You may not have been taking a lot of action. You may have been worried and, you know, really like in a low place, but the actions you take will really help you build that confidence. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Well, this is so much good stuff. I want to make sure that we get a chance to do some of the fast faves. Is there anything else you want to make sure you just put out there before we hear some of your Mm -hmm. rapid fire favorite things? No, no, I, I think we covered quite a bit and I hope that your readers took some useful insights away. So let's go for it. Oh yes, me too. And I'm sure it will be the case. So first of all, could you share a favorite quote? A favorite quote. I think this is the one I'm going to say to you. I put this on my Instagram the other day. You have to believe it before you see it. Okay, great. Thank you. And a favorite book? Oh, Gosh, I don't know. So many, 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 many favorite books. I just finished a book by a Swedish author and it was so good. I ordered it for my father-in-law. It was called A Man Called Uva, spelled O-V-E by Frederick Backman. Phenomenal book. I read a ton of fiction and that was simply beautiful. Loved it. So there you go. I'm going to go with that. Okay, thank you. And how about a favorite tool, something you use often that's helpful and your effectiveness? Gosh, I do love Todoist these days. A few months ago, I did some research. I actually did some research by asking my Facebook friends, (laughs) what is your favorite productivity tool? And I started using Todoist, T-O-D-O-I-S-T, and I love it. I think I'm 10 times more productive. I have projects under Todoist. I have daily habits. I have priorities. And I start by looking at that every day. So it keeps me on task and it's very user-friendly. So I love it. It's working really well. Great. Thank you. And how about a favorite habit? Yoga. All right. Yeah. Hours of it. That'll do it. Hours. (laughs) Is there a particular thing that you share in your writings or speaking or work with folks that particularly seems to resonate a little uh, gem or nugget or tweetable tidbit that you're known for? Yes, I would say it's the work we do around mindset. So how you think about something and your belief system. So the mindset and that comes down to questioning your current beliefs around something and whether those are true or not. And if they're not true, then exploring a better belief system that can help you be successful. So I would say in one word, Pete, it's mindset, having the right mindset, whether it's around business, profession, leadership, relationships, and the foundation of that is your belief system. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. And what would you say is the best way to find you? Folks want to learn more and see what you're up to? Oh, um, you can find me anywhere on Prolific Living. I have that on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but you can just come to prolificliving.com and contact me and I would love to speak to you. You can tell me you heard about me on Pete's awesome podcast and, you know, love to hear what was your one takeaway from this wonderful conversation that we had today. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. And As we part ways, do you have a sort of final call to action or challenge you'd send forth those seeking to be awesome at their jobs? You know, I want to leave with a very simple note, which is to trust yourself. 
or trust yourself more. Maybe you trust yourself a little bit, but we often seek so much validation and it can be confusing because people can send you different signals. And I would say just go into your day and your company, your work, trusting yourself more and believing that, you know, you know what you're doing. Maybe you need to get more skilled here or build more experience. Sure. But Deep down, trust who you are. And it doesn't mean to be arrogant. It just means trust your intuition, trust yourself, and perhaps see that you can come from that place and make good decisions for yourself. You don't need the whole world's approval to make decisions for your life. Oh, perfect. Well, Farnoosh, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. I'm eager to go try out some (laughs) breathing things. And I wish you tons (laughs) of luck over there. My pleasure. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Okay, well, I hope you got some good options that come to mind for integrating into your morning routines to make them all the more powerful. And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, that's over there at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep89. And if you haven't already, I will encourage you once again to push the subscribe button so you don't miss cool folks like our next guest, Manish Sethi. He is the inventor of this fun device called the Pavlock, which administers an electric shock and can be used to create habits and change behavior. So continuing the theme a little bit of resolutions and sticking with them as overeating Thanksgiving often gives rise to. So I hope to catch you then. And until then, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.